Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The shit show. <laughs> yeah, that was a shit show. All Is right. it a bird? Go. What? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? It's a red flag. It's a red flag. Oh, Jesus, Lord Almighty. Welcome to the shit show. And today we are talking about red flags which maybe on a good day we can see <laughs> i don't know i have to make an appointment with my eye doctor <laughs> i can't seem to see shit <laughs> that's what the shit show is all about because we might be colorblind because oftentimes i think what we do is we see i know what we do and keep going i'm sorry i'm just going to an idea well, tell me your idea. The worst okay, thing to do right. is be this cut is, up with an idea. This is what we do: is we see a red flag, a blatant red flag, mm. like one that's pretty noticeable. As commy red scare as you can get. Exactly, red flag. exactly. Right. You and I get in the car. We go to Home Depot. We get some green paint, mm. and yeah. we just paint that red flag green. Go, brush it. Go, go, go. boom, boom, yeah. boom. Paint that red flag green because we can't see anything. I know. Hear no evil. See no evil. We speak a lot of it, but as far as seeing, it's not going to happen. And so I think what we do often is we see um, yellow flags, which everybody has. I can't even imagine the they amount of yellow down. flags that people see in us. But what we do is we see these yellow flags and we immediately think that they're red flags, right? Right. So we'll see a yellow flag. Oh my God, they read my uh, Instagram story. They saw my Instagram story. They didn't text me. Oh my God, they left me on red. They must be a horrible person. Oh my God, they're a horrible person. But with it's a criminal like, oh. record. Mm -hmm. Big red flag. <laughs> we're, Anthony and I kind of look at that and we're like, all right. Oh. We're like, okay. There must be an explanation. There must be an explanation and there must be something that's there must be something there. Yeah, something deep. Ooh, yeah. a criminal record. Ooh, they've spent the night in jail. Ooh, they buried their ex-husband. It's like, what oh. can we do to help? Yeah, What? how can I be of assistance? <laughs> how can you ruin my life in order to create another story for you? Could you imagine you? if they called 911 and we were the ones that picked up? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, oh, I'll be right over. What's your address? <laughs> 2 a.m.? Okay. Here I come. Let's paint it green. Paint the town <laughs> green because those red flags don't exist. I mean, I would say probably one of the biggest red flags that I've seen. And listen, they come in all shapes and sizes. By no means mutually exclusive to just relationships. No. It can be in work. It can be in friendships. Yeah. It can be in, you know, um, really multiple facets of life. But I would say one time I had a completely digital relationship with somebody who lived a thousand miles across the country and... You know, I really just thought that we were getting married. <laughs> I think probably the biggest red flag in that relationship uh, was that when we FaceTimed, um, he bent over for me on, in front of the camera the first time that we FaceTimed, kind of giving all the goods away very, very quickly to somebody who lived a thousand miles away. And I thought that was romantic. Yeah. I thought he trusted me enough well, to do so. Well, what do they so. say? Distance makes the heart grow fonder? I think that they do say yeah. that. I think that was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Could have been. We probably said it. Who knows? Yeah. It doesn't. Mm. You, you know that now? Now I know it. Okay, great. <laughs> now I know it. That was a red flag. But you know what? I saw that as a yell. I was telling people, well, you know, he is not answering any of my texts. Um, and I'm supposed to fly to go busy. see him. He must be busy. He must be busy. My flight gets he, in at 6 p.m. Where is he? I was supposed to be picked up from the airport. He's not answering. 
Oh, wait, his Snapchat location says that he's in another state. Mm, not a big <laughs> there deal. Must be an explanation. There must be some sort of explanation. How about you? Any of those kinds of stories from you? Yeah, total red flags. Mm. I was in like red flag territory, but I liked it. Not quite in the end zone, but you were at like the you know. 50 I was at the, yard line. I was at the finishing line. Yeah, oh, okay. At the finish line. Mm-hmm. First um, down, and just, we yeah. are never talking that sports on this weird. ever again. That, that was, was bad. Weird. I don't even know never. what to say to that. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Well, <laughs> anyway, here we go. I was talking to this guy, um, and. I had an instant liking to him. Obviously, he was in my life for quite some time. Uh, after the red flags, I went way past the finish line. I started over and over See and over. See you later. And Grab that football. There was one time where a bunch of us got drinks after work. He came to meet up with us. It was in the summer. And we're having a good time. I'm with my friends from work. Mm. All of a sudden, uh, the guy you know comes up to us. He's chatting. And he gets kicked out of the bar. With no explanation, the must bartend- have been somebody else's fault. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. There, it wasn't. <laughs> the bartender was like, "Hey, man, like you got to get out." Yeah. This kid I was talking to walks out. No problem. All of us kind of revert to a different bar. We go to the second bar. Yeah. Guess what happens? Kicked out. Kicked out. Yeah. Bye bye. See ya. Can't come. It must have been that bartender's oh, fault too. I'm not done. Oh God. I'm not done. You are carrying that football down the field. I'm Somebody running, better tackle you. I'm it's not going to happen. Like my life depended on it. Yeah. Towards the red flag. Uh-huh. Oh, all the referees. Bam! Flag down on the play. Another red one. Another red one. You said, I remember on TV the one time I watched football. I thought they were yellow. Are they yellow in football? Yeah. Okay. I think. This time they were red. Anyway. So then we go to a third bar. Mm-hmm. And we're in the basement of this, you know, great place in Boston that we go to a lot. Capo and basement. Ca- yeah, Capo, Capo, whatever. whatever. It's so good. In the basement and all of us are having a great time. I'm like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. You know, this third time's the charm, right? He's not going to get kicked out. Of course, of course. Something happens in the peripheral vision. And to the side, I see, you know, some guys like bumping into each other. All of a sudden, the kid I'm talking to gets kicked out. Mm. Third bar. That It was not his what fault did, then what either. Did, what did I do? I went with him. <laughs> I went with him. You went with him. I went with him as the trusty steed. He you needed know, some yep. stability. You know why? He needed a constant. You know what I mean? But I'm not finished. <laughs> oh, okay. Keep going. So it's a late night of drinking. We decide to get some pizza. Um... So we go to this place, Magoo's, like in Southie Boston, where uh-huh. I live, and yet again, kicked out, kicked out no, of the pizza parlor. Is he just sitting there, and somebody comes up and says, "You gotta go." Is there it- was there was some you know banter going back and forth between him and these kids, uh-huh. and you know people are riling him up. I'm kind of I'm trying to ignore it. I walk out actually before he gets kicked out because I couldn't take it. Uh, well, I thought, obviously, I, the fourth time. That's how long it took me to just kind of like take off to yeah and i was like he in my, this is the worst part in my head when i walked out i was like he's gonna chase me <laughs> he's gonna follow he's gonna find me he always you comes fix back everybody's problems <laughs> because you want to make an album because you're a superstar star. yeah not gonna Aww, happen Nicole Smith. Mm-hmm. It's an ode to her. well we saw she didn't see any red flags either <laughs> <laughs> A little morbid, Aww. but we love her. Well, so then, yeah. I mean, at that point, I was like halfway down the street back to my apartment, and he came running with a box of pizza. But great, took me four tries. And let me guess, you dated him for over a year. Yeah, great. Yeah, See, why not? We, it takes us a little bit. Yeah, why not? Because I think the moral of the story is we paint these red flags green because we somehow have this savior complex where we think we are going to be the. You can finish it with me. The exception, exception. to the rule. Yeah. And we aren't the exception. We just can't place ourselves on such a high pedestal. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know. 
But life would be so much less fun if we didn't. But guess what? We I learn. I know. We yeah, learn know. from these experiences and we grow. And somebody else grew from her experiences. We have on today the fabulous Kate Casey. Kate Casey has her podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey, constantly in the top 50 charts yeah, on us, iTunes. Yeah, Us Weekly fashion police blogger. She's absolutely amazing. Her opinions rock. Us Weekly. Every week she writes these snarky comments in the fashion police. She's freaking hilarious. She's quick. She's witty. She's, she's had guests on from, well, I guess it goes back to football, NFL people, <laughs> reality stars. She is even on Jenny McCarthy, the iconic Jenny McCarthy. Right. It's on her show all the freaking time. No, she's awesome. She's amazing, I'm and really she's here to tell us kind of the shit shows that she's been through, how she's learned. Yep, can't wait to laugh. All right, well, welcome to the show, Kate Casey. Yay! I think everybody needs to have horrible things happen to them. Cope. A great coping mechanism is humor. I don't think I enjoy people that have had easy lives because they're not funny. Exactly. Right, right. We yeah. always say that. Well, they're more relatable and totally. they have more stories to tell. They empathize with others. So mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. you know. I agree. And a little resilience is going to bring you a long way. Right. Absolutely. I, I really try to give my kids some street cred by um, being mommy dearest to them at points because I just think they need it. You know what I mean? If they... Mm-hmm. If they grew up with Mary Poppins, they would be contestants on The Bachelor at some period, you know? <laughs> Are you like totally Joan Crawford, like no more yes. wire hangers? Yeah. People will say, you're so relaxed and you're such a good mom. And my husband looks at them like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, so have you they believe- met you before? <laughs> so you believe in tough love? Yeah, I'm mean. Like yeah. I when when they said that you know you have to homeschool your kids during the pandemic, I was like, I'm gonna homeschool the shit out of these kids. Right. <laughs> so they were like, like re- this is my chance. <laughs> totally, they were reading. They were doing workbooks. Like I wasn't nice. They yeah. weren't like smoking cigarettes on the couch and watching TV shows. They had to like work. So yeah, no, right. I'm I'm mean. I'm super strict. You're no nanny McPhee. Well, I do look like her, but no, um, I'm not, I'm like not enjoyable. No, I'm sure they'll write a tell all about how tough I am. My husband always says, just remember, they'll say nice things about you at the wedding. So in other words, they're not going to enjoy me for a long time, but that's okay. You know what? I think that at some point, and I'm not sure when it's going to be, but they may thank you. My mother was also very, very tough on me. And there was one time where, um, We'll get into it probably a little bit later. That's a shit show of a story. But basically, she told in front of a bunch of people, I didn't get an A on a test, right? Like this one test. We were at a bar mitzvah. And she goes, well, have fun like working at McDonald's and (sighs) becoming a stripper. This, I go home and I thanked her. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mom, for that whip on the ass. It like kicked me into gear. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You got to do that because I feel like my friends that are really nice, I'm like, you got, you're going to get bamboozled later. So Mm -hmm. you're friends with them now and they enjoy you, but this is going to come back to haunt you. Right. Now, Kate, what do you think is more important when raising children? Do you think it's the street cred, the street smarts, (laughs) or do you think it's the academic intelligence? Hmm. Here's the problem. They need to have academics because it's a gateway it gives you access to lots of opportunities true it just right. is the truth so you go to a great school you have a great education you're in the right pipeline for alumni networks jobs etc your life gets a lot easier if you have access to those worlds and the only way to do that is to go to the right schools right it's also like kind of um you can't go back in time and take like your SATs again, or no, you can't no. go back like with college degrees, you can kind of go back in time, but it's that, I guess like kindergarten through high school where it's all like on such a timeline that construct mm-hmm. is just like hard. Yeah. But academics can bring you to a school to help you be able to have the knowledge to make a time machine <laughs> and be able to go back and, and, and do that. That's a good point. Now that, said, now that said, I do think street smarts are enormously important. It gets you through a, a lot of things. Um, but I, I feel like sadly you have it or you don't. I yeah. don't know. I got my first child. She's like positive and cares about people and is hopeful. And so she's <laughs> everything that I'm not. And I just worry <laughs> about her a lot. And sometimes I'm like, do I? She is, she's not on TikTok. She's like one of the only people. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I should put her on. Maybe I should talk to her about drugs. Like I need to like rough right. her up a little bit because she like, 
she's basically the kind of person that's walking through a perpetual douche commercial in a field. Like, <laughs> like she's like in a perpetual summer's eve commercial just like Aww. with a prairie dress running through the hay with the sunshine in the background and i, and I, I worry about it i worry about it but something that you can instill with her with this tough love is the knowledge for how to spot one two three red Shit. flags oh, red well you messed it up red flags I'm sorry my brain's a little <laughs> fried <laughs> Fried like bacon. Yeah. Should show red flags. Yeah. And Kate, you are no, no stranger to the art of red flags. I sure am. Do you want to know what my should show is? Enlighten yes. us. Yes. Absolutely. Us. All right. And Anthony didn't even know the story and I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> so picture me. I'm in college. Okay. I'm, I'm working a job slinging tacos and margaritas at the Tortilla Coast, which is on Capitol Hill behind the Senate office building. There one day walks in my best friend from high school, a guy who's so hilarious, Dan Murray, with his, a guy that he worked with at the ceremonial guard, which is the guys who do the funerals at Arlington Cemetery. So they're in the military, they're enlisted, and they are the ones that hold um, the casket up or stand with the flags. In walks right. the most gorgeous guy I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, holy shit balls, six, seven, gorgeous. So Ding Dong McGee here starts talking to like him. That. I fall deeply in love. So dumb. So I start dating this guy and he's in the military. So we date for a while and then eventually he gets orders. He has to go to Chicago, which is to like the, 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 the naval base there. Now I had two options, break up, move on, date somebody else or do this long distance. So we chose to do long distance. And because we were not together that long in DC, I romanticized situations and his personality and our um, chemistry because he lived far away. We can so, relate to that. Yep. I go to visit him. In those days, I would go down to the United Airlines office in, in DC and I would pay cash for tickets. I would go and buy plane tickets to go visit him. I would pay in cash at the United office. Like, I don't know why I did that. But anyway. Would he reimburse you? Hell no. He had three buckets to his, his name. Like, he, we both had no money because I didn't come from money. He didn't come from money. So we would, I would go visit him. And so I'm romanticizing this relationship. So eventually he comes to visit me and he takes me on a walk. Did he take me on a walk? I don't even remember, actually. Anyway, point of story is, the dude proposes to me. He gives me a, a trinket ring. It's oh. a sad state of affairs. But I felt in the moment, it was like, yeah, 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 abort mission. But I felt, I felt terrible. Like, oh, he bought me a ring, so I should say yes. So this is your first warning signal to those young girls who are like, oh, but if he really likes you, you should just say yes. Like, this was not made to be. I'm like a super alpha, wanted to have a great career. And this is like a guy in the military who only had signed up to save his, his um, it's called red shirting. He played water polo in college. Oh, okay. So he red went shirt, into the military like to like save it, to like save his eligibility. Okay. So he proposes and I'm like, okay, okay. So I go back to my roommates and I'm like, we're engaged. And they looked at me like, what? We're, you're what? So oh that was another God. red flag because they're like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. So right. we, we get engaged. Now, I graduate from college. My sister, who's older and a super bitch, is like, what are you doing? Like, this is not a good idea. But she just like said that a little bit. She didn't like probe too far. She was like, I got yeah. my own shit going on. Like, this is your own fault. Like, deal with it. So right. I spend the first year after I graduate from college working my regular job, which I got paid $26,000 a year as an account executive for a media relations firm. So I had to work every single night after work and Saturday and Sunday waiting tables at Tony Don't and Joe's on the waterfront no. in Georgetown to make enough money to pay for my own wedding because I was going to have to pay for it myself. Oh, His family so has no money. I have no money. I am like slinging more cocktails on the waterfront. Now, so, Kate, you're like a really logical person. 
I know. What was going on? She was romanticizing. And I was afraid if I called off the wedding at some point that it would be embarrassing, that all these people would be like, see, Um, I told you. So I'm like trying to prove them wrong, but trying to convince myself that this is the right thing. And he was lovely, but he just didn't have the personality for me and was not motivated. So I'm killing myself. And then he's like sitting around all the time. So we've decided that we're going to have the reception at my mom's house in Westchester, Pennsylvania. We're going to have the, the, the ceremony at her church, which is like a revolutionary war church. Fine. Whatever. It's going to be a reception at my mom's house that I grew up in, which basically was like a house with a shingle falling off. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my mom was kind of like a little bit of a hoarder. And my stepfather was a horrible human being that walked around the house with house shoes on and sweatpants soiled because he had a prostate issue. He also oh. had a pacemaker because he had a heart attack and he had diabetes oh. and had cancer but he continued to live because he was a son of a bitch. And I feel like (laughs) that are the worst kind of people in the world. They live good. People die. Horrible people live. Right. So my mom's like, we're going to have the reception here. I started driving home like one day a weekend from DC to Philadelphia to clean up my mom's house in preparation for this wedding reception. So raking leaves, like cutting down trees myself. Okay. So we get you to really the- wanted to prove them wrong. <laughs> you so really stupid. now his oh family is from California and they don't like me. They don't like me because they think I'm opinionated, which equals educated woman who has opinions. And mm. the mother has decided that she does not like me. I was privy to a phone conversation of they were having. And she said, Oh God, if please don't do it about the wedding. And I was like, Thanks, lady. So she offers no money either. I'm paying for this whole thing myself. The reception's going to be at my mom's house. Right a weeks before the wedding, my mom, or when my mom like does up the mock for the wedding invitation, it says the wedding of Catherine, you know, blah, 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 and the guy's name. Um, you know, when it says the part of the wedding invitation, like the parents' names? Well, she yeah. put my stepfather's name in. Now, he was horrible to me my entire life. I was sent to boarding school when I was in ninth grade because he didn't want me to live in the house. Oh, my God. He Were was you a, bad? No, the Milton Hershey School for poor kids. Remember where I went to school with all the poor oh. kids? So it was a free education for kids that came from like poor and like emotionally abusive families. So that's where I hadn't lived at home since I was 14. Also in that time, there was like live checks that got sent to your house. I don't think they do it anymore, but it's like, if you sign this check, it's a $5,000 loan, but it was like, I don't know, a 56% interest rate. Horrible. Well, I hadn't lived at home since I was 14 and I started getting calls from creditors that somebody had, a check had been mailed to that home and somebody had signed it and, and they were trying to recoup, you know, the money. Well, I called the bank Malvern Federal in Malvern, Pennsylvania, and they had videotape of my stepfather at the bank. He had forged my name. No way. So this guy, my mom, sent me off to boarding school because I wasn't allowed to live in the house instead of getting a divorce. He treated me terribly my whole life. He tried to fraud me of thousands of dollars, and now I get this wedding invitation. My wedding invitation, and she has placed on the wedding invitation his name, like he's giving me away to marriage. Now, did they have any contact with each other? They were living together. She never divorced and they lived in the same house. I have a a question. So she didn't send it to you for review or anything? No. No? No, I just got a copy of it. And I was like, I want, and I'm paying for my whole wedding. Okay. Jesus, Kate. So there's that. My mom has arranged. The one thing she did was she arranged the caterer. Well, the caterer just did like canapes, like appetizers to pass around the house, but probably enough to feed 25 people. I can't remember exactly anymore, but I'm going to say I had about 125 guests to show up to my house. So there's no food. There's almost no alcohol. They bought, they purchased a keg for a wedding. There's a keg, a keg at a wedding. That we might disagree on that. I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. But, but you run out out quickly. Okay. I have placed white lights in the trees so people come, you know, it's up Aww. on the hill, except I arrived for, oh, oh, wait, let me go back to the actual wedding day. The day before, my sister, who's older, announces to everybody at the rehearsal dinner that she's just eloped. <laughs> she just eloped. She eloped. She came back from a trip to Australia 
she's brought her wedding album. I want to tell you all that I have eloped. No fucking way. But her husband didn't show up because he hated my mom. So my sister has a wedding album at my rehearsal dinner. The rehearsal dinner is held at like some janky restaurant in Fraser. The groom and his brother get in a fist fight on the dance floor right outside where we ate dinner. Oh, so this is mob style now at this point. I mean, it's like a joke. <laughs> his family hates my family, the whole thing. That night, I'm crying and I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I like, I don't know. I don't know. And my friends were like, are you okay? But I couldn't, I was like, I, I was, I felt like the train is going full steam ahead and I, I don't know what to do. So I wake up yeah. in the morning, we have to clean the house because it keeps getting dirty. So my bridesmaids, God help them, are sweeping. One has the hose outside trying to get stuff off the back patio my stepfather's um, just sitting downstairs. He has the Barco lounger pulled up to in front of the television, watching like mash reruns and screaming at everybody. I'm terribly mortified. So we, uh, we get dressed, we go to the church. My uncle is the one that walks me down the aisle. Right before we go to walk down the aisle, I'm frozen. I don't want to walk down the aisle. I'm like, this is just terrible. I don't feel comfortable. Oh my God. This is not what I envisioned for myself. My anxiety right now. And he's just like, I could cry, but he passed away. Um, he just, he's like, Katie, Katie, is this really like what you want to do? And I, I just was like, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. Because I just felt like all those people are in the church. Yeah. What am I going to do? Now, right. another red flag is I have a bunch of bridesmaids. And by the way, I made them wear Ann Taylor sheath gowns. Ann Taylor <laughs> makes like wool sheath gowns in the summer. I had them wear wool gowns in the summer. A red flag is, he only had his two brothers as groomsmen. He had no friends. So he I had to no have oh, my guy friend. And I had to have like two other guy friends of mine jump in and be oh groomsmen. That's a red flag when the guy- You were funding everything at the everything. wedding. His groomsmen, I money. There was like the... one bottle of champagne on the ride to the limo that I bought. Like, no, oh, my, my, I didn't have a bachelorette party because no one threw me one. Probably because they thought it was a disaster. I, You're like, there's no goes. way she's going I don't through think, with this. I don't even think I had a bridal shower. I was paying for okay. killing this myself. Okay, awfully. I got this my, is like awful. <laughs> I got my down <laughs> at David's bridal. Oh my God, horrible. And I was like, oh, but it's an Oleg Cassini gown. Oleg Cassini was the wedding dress designer for Jackie Kennedy. He was older than dirt. <laughs> and he had done some deal with David's bridal at the time. And it was like a gown that looked just like Jackie Kennedy's bridal gown. And, you know, I named my son Jack after Jack Kennedy. So I was like, oh, this is it. It's all kismet. Okay. So it was worth right, it at right. that point. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think that I started to date him too, because the night that we went, first went out for drinks, Mandy played over the loudspeaker by Barry Manilow, and my mom loved that playing that when I was a kid. So I thought it was a sign from God that he was the it was one. A sign. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm at yeah. the wedding. We're I'm learning. To, I'm gonna walk down the aisle. I know it's not right. Uncle Richard says, "Katie, you don't have to do this." And I'm like, "No, I'm gonna do it." So I walk down the aisle. Now, this is like my friend Morris' favorite part: is that we're at the wedding. <sighs> All these people are there, and he's very tall, and he's looking down at me. And he's just dreamily like looking at me and I won't look him in the eye because I'm <gasps> oh my God, I'm so creepy. That's out. so hard. I'm just like, this is not what I wanted for myself. What am I doing? And, uh, um, and, and no one, no one is like standing up to say, don't do it. Nothing. And I won't look at him and I'm creeped out. I'm like, Oh, like, stop looking at me. Like what bride, all brides at weddings are like, you're my true love. And I was like, buddy, like, stop it. You're creeping me out. Right. So I right. go through the vows. I just feel like dog meat. I just feel terrible about it. And then they introduce us. Because you're wanna, lying at that point. I just wanted to be, I'm like, I, so we, oh, on the way out, I have two half sisters. My one half sister, who's the kind of person that owns like a jean couch. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. she doesn't exactly have the best, <laughs> the best taste. Yeah. She says, I'm going to go home and change. And I went, please, God, don't. Because I knew that she would show up in an atrocious outfit. Her change of clothes and our change of clothes for a wedding reception, two different things. Two different ideas. <laughs> she arrives at the wedding reception in biker shorts and an oversized t-shirt. Shut up. Yes. Okay. So I finally, or oh, the groom, the groom's father had a stack of papers, which were the directions to the wedding reception at my mom's house. 
he never brought them to the wedding. He left them at his hotel. So no one knew how to get to my mom's house. So there were all these people trying to call each other. So I show up at my wedding reception for the big reveal and half the people aren't there. And this is before GPS, obviously. (laughs) So I get out of the limo. I got to go up the hill. Well, at least you had a limo. Oh my God. limo though. Did you pay for the limo or did oh, the- of course I, pay. I, of course I did. <laughs> okay. Now I need you to understand this. I okay. get up, I've combed through Martha Stewart weddings, everything lights up the trees, flowers, whatever. We go up the driveway. The DJ for the wedding has not taken my strict instructions. He has assembled uh, himself in the garage with no with the garage door open. So oh <laughs> this is like trailer park type shit. This is low down trailer park bullshit. I have a question. Were there any like videographers or anything? Like, yes, was any- there was. And I oh my god, you tape. have those. Oh, I burned. No. I was like, oh my god, because I'll tell you why. Okay, so okay, DJ right. is next to the riding lawnmower, next to the rakes, next next to the vice. So people are dancing in the driveway, lights in the trees, with an open garage. <laughs> I I lost my mind. I was like screaming at my mother, get that, get that garage door closed. My girlfriend was like, just drink alcohol, just drink. So then I proceed to get wasted because I'm like, Good I, Irish go to, I go can't to take it. Another red flag. I don't want to hang out with the groom at the wedding. Oh, I just yeah, got that's married bad, Kate. About Kate, that's bad. 40 minutes ago. I don't want to hang out with them. I want to hang out look with them in the face. I wanted to hang out with my best friend, Dan Murray, because we had made up a dance routine to a fat boy slim song and i wanted to perform it that was more important to me i wanted to hang out with my girlfriends he kept following me around the wedding reception and i was like beat it weirdo the groom (laughs) there's not enough food now we've run out of alcohol my sister with the jean with the biker shorts has sent her loser husband patrick out to get more uh soda or 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 drinks for people because we've run out he shows up with a six pack of soda no there okay, are, I, I would have drowned myself at this there point. A hundred and twenty people there. Okay, I'm I'm so drunk at this point. I there were a couple people that were like somebody took the wheelbarrow out and was just wheelbarrowing people like around the driveway. They we get to the cake cutting part. Um, <laughs> they put the cake in the living room, which only accommodates maybe ten people. So no one saw me cutting the cake, but my friends from college have opened up the windows and they're standing outside with the open window to watch me cut the cake. And they're laughing because they're like, this is the worst wedding we've ever been to. Okay. Oh, they said that to you? My stepfather, my my mom insisted that we invite my stepfather's family members. Again, my stepfather, I hate with every fiber of my soul. His relatives, no, he died. Okay. Oh, good. So, so he was a horrible person, and so were his relatives. They've showed up. I don't even know their names. They're all sitting in the family room with the Barco lounger up to the TV. They say nothing to anybody. You know, they're just like complaining the whole time. There are people there I don't even know who they are, and I've paid for them. Okay, over a year working all the time. So we cut the cake. The videographer, I remember this. He was. He said, "Now pretend that you're waving to your guests like goodbye." So the groom, the groom was like, "Eh." oh, he's drunk too. And he's like, "Eh," like waving. And you just see my face. And it was like a snapshot. And it was just like total terror and defeat and embarrassment all in one. So we pack up our stuff. We go to the hotel. It's the Sheraton, which you will remember from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Whenever Lisa Rinna went to QVC to sell her dust, dust sweaters, she would stay yeah. at the Sheraton exactly where I spent my honeymoon. And this oh, is God. the moment that really defined the whole thing is I've got this huge dress on. The dumb hairdresser said, wear your hair down at a summer wedding. It was June 17th. I'm, oh, my God. Oh, my oh, so God. This is only stuff you guys know. Wait, I don't even another, know wait, another reason I thought that this was kismet was because we got married on June 17th. And that was the anniversary of Robert Kennedy and Ethel Kennedy's wedding. Oh, oh that's you the nail on the coffin. So romantic. But she's looking for signs, but it's ironic. This is but, so the signs, you. but the signs were like, no lady, abort mission. So we yeah, get right. to the Sheraton, we get into the hotel room. Did you have sex? I, 
Oh my god, no. She couldn't look in the no, face. No, I locked no. myself in the bathroom. Oh, okay. I'm standing. Oh. I want you to picture me right now. I'm standing in front of the mirror. The hairdresser told me to wear my hair down. It was a, it was all sweaty and gross. Yeah. I have mascara pulled under my eyes. I have no makeup on beside it. it you know, it's all rubbed off. I have like one right. earring like hanging out. Oh. And I looked at the mirror and said out loud, "What have you done?" And he's oh. not. And he's knocking on the door. Are you okay? Are you okay? Oh my god, he's like so like dense, like a big oaf. Like, are you there? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> this is out of a horror movie. And I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get out. Eventually, the next morning we left for our honeymoon, and I kept thinking the entire honeymoon, I wish my friends were here. Oh, that's so the really long story sad. short is that he was in the military. And we moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I lived there. He went on deployment right away. And basically I lived the entire time by myself in a town where I didn't know anybody. I met my neighbors mm-hmm. and she became my best friend and she has five kids now too. And she's like the funniest person that ever lived. And it's the greatest friendship. And that in my opinion is the whole reason I married him was to find her wow. because I would have never I would have never met her otherwise. And she's the godmother of my oldest child. Our families are really close. She's like the best. And so I, I think that sometimes we have relationships, whether they're romantic or whatever, and they could be disasters and you ignore all the red flags, but I have to believe that there's a reason for it. And I think the reason for me to go through that were two things to meet Ashley Sullivan. And the second was that when I met my husband, Dan, um, we met each other on match.com and he's Mm -hmm. telling me a little bit about himself. And he said, Oh, I work in tech. Um, I said, Oh, I do media consulting for law firms. And he said, well, you might be familiar with this company that I founded in college called scour. And the irony was I was working at this media relations firm representing law firms and one of the law firms that I represented was the counsel. He was, they were the lawyers for my husband's company. So I was totally oh, aware of it. And so I, had, I remember calling the associated because Scour, the company he founded in college was eventually sued by the Recording Industry Association and the MPAA, the motion picture, because it was the precursor to Napster. So downloading music and movies for free. Mm-hmm. So they were sued. So I remember calling Ron Harris at Associated Press and saying, I know you're going to cover the Scour lawsuit today Um, because it was like the biggest news story for a little bit. And I said, I've got an attorney that can provide insight. And I remember him saying, great, I have the Scour CEO at nine and then I'll talk to your person at 930. And then I meet my husband. That was my husband, the Scour CEO. Oh, my God. So we were writing back and forth. The first note that he wrote to me, he was at a cafe in Paris across the street from the Louvre. And we, uh, I I was his first match.com date. I think I had gone on like eight dates and we were instant connection. My two of my daughters are born on Bastille Day. My oldest has an Eiffel Tower kind of birthmark on her head. Those oh are my God. Now those are kismet. Those were actually signs like you marry the right guy. But, yeah. the, but the reason that I also think it was important to have that first experience was because I realized early on into that, that I needed to be with somebody who was super motivated, who wanted to work all the time, who was passionate about their work. And while the first one was lovely guy, we were, we were not in sync. So mm-hmm. that when people now I'm married to a software CEO who is a true entrepreneur and works seven days a week. We have, we have, and we've taken, had so many sacrifices in terms of time because he works all the time. I work all the time, but I like it. And I don't know if I would have ever appreciated how hard he works. And he's the first to tell you, like, he'll always send me articles of interviews with successful CEOs when they say, my spouse always supported me. Like I wasn't there for all of the baseball games or whatever, because my spouse was there for me. And he always says like, I'm so grateful that you still support me, even though this takes up a lot of my time. Yeah. And had I not had that first marriage, I would have never appreciated that. I just don't think, I think we would have had a lot of communication problems if that would have been my first relationship. Or maybe, yeah. Or maybe like what would have happened too with with the first guy, if I mean, you're so motivated and you're so successful, like there might've been some, hostility yeah like resentment resentment. there was there was resentment right away and so he went on deployment by the way 
so we were married June and then he went on deployment and he was on deployment a lot. Then September 11th happened. Oh, and wow. then, and then it was like, after that, we amicably decided that we shouldn't be together. It was very amicable. It was great. Yahoo. Oh, and you know what happened was I had moved. No, it was before I moved to California. I, I had a conversation with my sister. My sister is bit older than me and she's just like really direct. She's basically me. Uh, do you Anthony you're me okay. and my sister is me so okay. you know like that person in your life who's like cut the shit this is what you need to know and yeah. I yeah. had always put my sister on a pedestal and I was so embarrassed that I had come to this position where I thought about getting a divorce and I thought who's gonna date me this is like a make this is gonna make me look so bad no one's gonna I have baggage and I remember my sister said no one will ever judge you because everybody who was at that wedding knew it wouldn't last. So you mm. deserve to make yourself happy and cut the cord and be free. And it was just that one person I needed to tell me that freed me up. And it was like, she got on that plane and left and I cried for hours. It was like yeah, a release. Wow. Like I've been given permission to pursue my, the life that I really want. And um, so it was an amicable breakup and I, you know, never seen him since, which is fine. He was lovely. I but- find often that you need that one person to tell you that it's okay. I had a job mm-hmm. that I really wanted to quit and it was draining me so badly. And I had a text from one of my best friends, Connor, and also my dad. And they said, it's okay to leave. I was so worried about the embarrassment aspect yes. of it, being caught up in this shit show and having to constantly explain it to a million and five people. That's the worst part. You explain yourself over and over. And at the end of the day, just like you said with your wedding guests, everybody knew. It wasn't everybody a surprise. Knew. Even you knew. Mm-hmm. But that must have yeah. been the worst part for you was that how, do you, how did you end up reconciling you know, of course you had your sister who told you it's okay because you're such a logical person. Now you're in Newport Beach and you've got this fabulous family and a successful show. How did you reconcile these mistakes and eventually be like, okay, this is all kind of a part of the plan in a weird way? Well, I remember I started to date and I was terrified. And mm-hmm. I riff about this sometimes when I talk about The Bachelor. And you'll hear me when I talk about The Bachelor, I always say, you're at a disadvantage as a contestant when your family's not perfect. So a lot of people pretend they have a perfect family because that's the ideal contestant. If you're on Ben Higgins season of the bachelorette, you know, he wants someone who's religious. He talks all the time. I want a marriage like my parents. So you're kind of painted in a corner if you don't have that perfect life. Exactly. And I'm like, why is it my fault that my parents couldn't be to get like, didn't want to stay married? Mm. How does that make Mm. me less of an like a like a potential spouse? Like I'm not going to be a great partner because my parents got divorced. I always thought that was stupid. In fact, I would argue people who have parents who have bad relationships actually probably are better partners because they know this is what it takes to be a better communicator. I would never want to have my kids go through what I have. So I'll fight harder. So that I was stuck a couple years in that, like who's going to want to date me. And so I started going, Oh, so I went on a couple dates. Then I meet my husband and my husband's best friend. I had a a conversation with him uh, by the beach one day, actually in Hermosa beach. And I said, I'm just, I'm just so embarrassed that I've been married before because I did go on a one date with a guy and we had, it was hot, but he said, I've never heard you say that, but he was like, he started talking about his family and he said, Oh, and I didn't tell him that I had been married before. And he was, well, my parents are from Indiana and they're really strict and you know, they're really religious. And I just, as he went on, I'm like, they're never going to accept me. Right. So it just made me feel terrible. Yeah. yeah, it made me right. feel terrible. So then I struggled in my, in, when I went to date. And so I remember talking to my husband's best friend and I said, I'm just really like, I feel bad. Like I'm not, it's not going to be my first wedding. I'm not going to be. Yeah. Like, and he said, you are so weird. You make it a big deal, but you hang a light on it. You make it weird. It is weird. And I've taken that with me in every aspect of my life right. that if I talk about things at nauseum. If I highlight it to other people, like if you were to say, you know, I've got these fat ankles and I just, it's a really struggle for me to go through life because I hate to wear jean skirts because I got fat ankles. People are like, yeah, you're right. You've got fat yeah. ankles. Yeah. There's it's the complete, fattest fucking ankles. It's complete <laughs> yeah. honesty. Yeah. So, um, he's just we need said, to work on that Morgan. He just said, stop 
hanging a light on it? Why aren't you looking at it as like, yeah, I'm actually the best candidate because I had this right. like really stupid decision I made, but um, I'm going to hit it out of the ballpark, you know, when it's right. And he was right. And so yeah. I'm, you know, I, I've been married now for um, almost 13 years and I have five kids. So Yay. I've never done anything for off. 13 years. <laughs> well, cause you're you like 13. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like 13 years old. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're very funny and you're very witty. And I don't think, and I think you would agree, Morgan, like we don't become like that until we have those types of experiences. Right, right. And you're able to reflect, look back and kind of laugh at the mistakes you've made, yeah. see how far you've yeah. come. Well, don't, um, I also so. think my professional background before I was a podcaster is in crisis like crisis media litigation, like oh, well, that helping, was perfect. Helping, <laughs> helping global law firms handle media interviews, helping people prep for media interviews. And I feel like on a personal note, I'm the person that people come to and they're like, I don't know how to handle the situation. How do I get yep. my message across? And I think that I'm a solution person. So you, it, I'm the person you call, you're like, okay, I need to talk to somebody, but I don't know how to put my words into place or like, what do I have to do? And I think that all the shitty life experiences, the crappy house father or stepfather, being sent to a boarding school where I didn't know anybody, being with people of all every race, creed, demographic, having a shitty yeah. wedding, finding myself as a young professional, dating again, becoming a mom, all those things give you a sense of grit and it makes you mm -hmm. connect with people in a way that is so important. And um, so I guess my, the, the big lesson I have for anybody listening is please, for the love of God, if you don't feel right about marrying someone, there's a part of you in your heart that goes, I don't know if it's a right fit. You got to follow that because it's really easy to get married and it's really hard to get divorced. Yeah. Oh, I mean, God. this is also great. I'm, you know, thinking a lot. I just feel thankful for hearing the story. Um, and you don't need I to have. get married young, like get, get married when you feel like you're a full person that right. the person enhances what your life. That? <laughs> they, they enhance your life, but they don't make your life. Right, like you're okay. Not you're okay on your own that you want to create something together, but you're enough of a person on your own. I felt like right. with the first one that I was pulling the wagon behind me. Like, and that's exhausting. Like, it's that exhausting. Would get exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from hearing you talk, I know you talk to Anthony a lot. Um, so I've heard, you know, tidbits of your advice and it's great. It's very realistic, straight to the point. You're funny, like Anthony said. Um, I guess my question is, how do you go from giving such great advice to then actually taking your own? Because we oh, can't do that. Terrible. We give really great. I give the best advice ever. I think I'm the exception. I don't take it. Because we don't have other people's emotions. So I think our emotions mm -hmm. kind of get in the way. But I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. I've told them to do this, but right. me, I think the first thing that the best thing you can do is, especially in your twenties, this is a really good time. This is your job as a 20 or in your twenties. Your job is to find right. out what is the one thing that keeps me like my issue. What's my one issue. And I learned between in my twenties, <laughs> my issue is I need recognition because I never got it from my parents. I spent <laughs> my entire childhood like pay attention to me. And that's the thing that is, is like my, uh, the, th the common thread throughout my life. So it trigger, I get triggered by it a lot. Like even with my show, if I like feel like people don't listen to an episode or they give me a bad review, I have to constantly chickadee check myself. Like, don't let this get to you. That right. affects me in a deeper way than other things. So the your 20s, you got to figure out what that issue is. Your 30s is about uh, managing that while also cutting off people that uh, don't bring anything to your life. Your 20s are like you're getting cutting off the fat. It's like mm -hmm. you've had friends from high school, you've had friends from college and your professional work. And you think you're, they're your friends, but you're starting to realize who you are in your value system and those people drop off. So when you get into your 30s, it's about um, like who I am as a professional and the kinds of the small circle of people I want to be around and what's my issue that keeps me um, from propelling forward and I have to manage that all the time. And on top of that, for some people, that's also adding in a partner or adding mm -hmm. in children. And then 
I'm in my forties now. So now it's more about managing uh, my career, managing growing children who have opinions. Um, and, and also as a working mom, like um, feeling like I am f- for me, my, my thing is like, am I working to my potential, like full potential? Yeah. So, you know, it's well, every, every decade's tricky. It's a lot. No, it's a lot. And I always, so finding your issue or quote unquote, what gets in your way a lot of the time, I think I've realized, yeah. however, I don't want to deal with it. So what I do is distract myself and like, I'd rather have other people in my life. So to the point like where I'll have a partner, have kids, I won't necessarily work on my issue because I'm going to be so distracted like by like taking You're care of my kids. Yeah. That's terrible. And that's okay. It's not okay. Yeah, don't because, do that. Because you don't do you, that. You push that on to your children. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm using it more as an example right now with like relationships that I've had. Like, I'd rather just like give, 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 and not like work on myself. You, yeah, be, you but you become be. you become resentful. So the best right. thing you yeah. can do is like walk into the the pain or to the trauma or to the frustration or the fear. And, and just head on work into it. And the quicker you do that in your twenties, the better off you'll be. Yeah. But it will, carry, it will carry into your relationship with your children if you don't figure it out. Well, hopefully we don't do that yet. Have yeah, children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want you to yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kate, you gave us some fabulous advice out of a, really kind of beautiful cinematic theatrical <laughs> shit show yeah. when oh I, i'm picturing guys, these was... just the wedding dress what and i just said what have you done to myself oh my god and, you, and uh, i'll tell you this i will never let my ch- by the way i went wedding dress shopping by myself <gasps> okay. no one came with that's me that's so depressing that's Kate. i bought you thinking during this i'm so depressed well the problem is my personality is um i don't want to bother people I do that too mm. often. I don't want to bother people. I always feel like I'm bothering people. So I went there to the dress shop. I bought a, a sample dress. I cut it off at the knee because my sister said, um, oh, no, no, that no, that was actually Dan's. My, my wedding to my husband, we got married in Hawaii. I did the same thing. I bought a dumb dress and I hated it. But the <laughs> point is, um, with my own kids, I think that um, – I'm just going to make sure I have a long conversation about why they want to get married. Oh, I know because when they had pre canna classes before you get married in the Episcopal church, mm-hmm. so I got married in Episcopal church the first time. And I remember this, that the rector asked, what is it that you love about each other? And I remember I said, oh. well, he's so sweet. He's giving, he's kind. And then he turns to him and he takes a long <laughs> pause and he says, Oh God, cut out. She makes me feel comfortable. It might be hers. It might be Kate. No, I see you. Oh, thought, okay. Hi. Now we're back. We're back. <laughs> okay. We're good. We're back. Go back to um, the ca- wedding ca- pre can pre canna. So the so the the priest asked, "What do you love about each other?" And I said, "He's kind. He's sweet. He's generous." Blah blah blah. And then he turns to him, "What do you love about her?" And he took a long pause, and then he goes, "Well, she makes me feel comfortable." Oh no, that's I know. horrible, Morgan. That's a horrible, Morgan. horrible, horrible. Why? I feel like you want to feel comfortable around your Morgan, partner. I think that's oftentimes like maybe that's a detriment to your relationships that used to be in mine. I think that's one thing I've learned. It's that's not a romantic thing when somebody's like, well, you make me feel comfortable. If that's all you're worth to somebody is just comfortability, then they're going to step all over you. They're going to sleep in you like you sleep in a comfy mattress. They're going to kick their shoes off on you and, and dust it off. Comfortability is not mutually exclusive with really unconditional love. But they say that somebody that you're with should always feel like home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah but, you but, also, that's, that, yeah. but that's without challenge. Like this guy was not going to like, intellectually be challenging he wouldn't challenge me to to be a better a person oh no we're realizing something about morgan's realizing no, 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 something no, about no. herself I, I had a misunderstanding this is your first husband your first, first husband right yeah yeah okay well then i <laughs> <laughs> That's morgan bad. you gotta think about that a little bit now see That's we're already bad. learning we're already That's learning bad. So it, it, being it was, comfortable. It was, is- it was terrible, and I was like, "This is not good." I wanted, so- I wanted somebody to go. She's brilliant. She walks into a room. She makes everybody feel like a million bucks. She's a great listener. She can talk to somebody, and they open themselves up, and she makes people feel like they're her friend for years. I love the way that she's kind. 
It makes me think she's going to be a great mom. I love the way that she has great patience, even though her family has not been got, giving to her. She's lacked the attention from her, but somehow she's got a strength and spirit that I find to be very encouraging and inspiring. And I love that I think one day she's going to make a big difference in this world for other women. That's the answer you want to hear. Right. Today. You, you just set the bar very high. <laughs> so I'm going to rem- mem- memorize say, that speech. You need to say something that's so compelling that the rector is like, well, shit, let's go out and get married right, right now. Right. Yeah. Pre-cata classes are done. But to, <laughs> but to, take, to take the pause and go, she makes me feel comfortable. It's, it, it's like, I don't even know why I'm in this room. I've just showed up and I'm putting on a tuxedo. I'm not really invested. It was as if, as if he was just given a ticket, like here, go this way. Like he's getting on a subway, like, okay. Yeah. And uh, so that's like, I mean, one of the 19,000 red flags, but you want to find somebody who thinks that you are the most interesting person that walked in the room and they are suffocated by their love for you and want to only be, around you because you are you're like a light holder that's what you want out of somebody you don't want I somebody love getting suffocated so <laughs> you don't want somebody who's just sort of like they're okay but yeah, of course that comes with wisdom and time and and i feel like i was the first friend that kind of fucked up and married the wrong person and then it's like and then, then people come out of the woodwork they're like you know i i'm really unhappy and i'm the one that had to yeah. say it's okay you know Right. Like my mom right. or my mom, my sister was the first of her friend group to get divorced. And now my sister's the, the, the divorce whisperer of New Jersey. So <laughs> that's a TV show, Kate, that you need to produce. Oh my God. I know. But anyway, divorce whisperer. the point is don't get married if you don't feel a hundred percent about it. Well, holy shit. I'm still recovering from that. That was like one of those stories where you get like secondhand anxiety. I know. And it like, it was a shit show truly that was like. Bang. Boom. Pam. Dumpster fire. fire. Yeah. No, it was like literally kind of like our kind of whole theme to the podcast. <laughs> right. Like It was, like, per- was comic booky, shit showy. Like it was. But also like endearing in a weird way. Yeah. Because I agree. of the lesson that she came back to. Yeah. And what I find so endearing is that it's like Kate Casey is like, you know, I we work in the same industry and I talk to her almost every day on the phone about advice and she's so logical and Mm -hmm. like it was cool to hear how she was romanticizing situations at a young age because that's something that I know that I do yeah me too yeah it's fun because what that does is paint pictures in your mind and they look so pretty well you know what Morgan people are not canvases (laughs) they're not canvases you know what they are they're just unfinished paintings I know. And we romanticize painting people on these canvases and we're like, oh, I'm going to draw you a smile when you're Mm -hmm. sad. I'm going to draw you a beauty mark when you're feeling ugly. But at the end of the day, like we can't constantly be painting people like we paint these red flags green. I know. (sighs) But it's just hard because you do want to see the best in people. Of course. That's why if you just have that paintbrush and you have that positive, positive attitude and the belief in someone belief yeah it's true you want to just paint a smile on their face yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would put like a teardrop a little teardrop maybe a clown note, yeah, no, clown note. <laughs> i mean i i it and it goes above just romanticizing like relationships like i had a job experience that i got hired to work for a woman on a tv show and it was ended up being a shit show and i romanticized i'm like i've seen this woman on tv like every single day of my life and I'm so obsessed with her and I think oftentimes like you know gay men especially like get into like diva worship culture and like I have a question yeah yeah was it romanticizing or was it being starstruck it was a little bit of both I think more so what I romanticized was like the industry ideal like I wanted to be on the subway like carrying her like designer bags very Carrie Bradshaw yeah yeah Yeah. I was everything that I did I was like and so I thought like I just loved being like I I pictured myself on this high rise and I'm with her and I'm taking photos of her as she's like doing her promo shots for the TV show and even though like you know she ended up being 
the Wicked Witch of the West and really hurting me in a lot of ways that right. almost deterred me from like working in this industry at all. Yeah. And while the events that I wanted to take place did take place, they weren't as romantic or as beautiful as I thought they were going to be. Right. And it's almost like there was a price to pay. Yeah. So there are elements of that industry um, where things are so fabulous and they're go, go, go. Yeah. And But what comes up, what goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. And that's all right. And you've got to look at those red flags. Like mm-hmm. there were so many of mine in this situation. Like I would show up to work and she wouldn't be there. She, I would have to call her phone 1,500 fucking times. Right. I would spend $100 to get to New York City and back mm-hmm. because, but it, I made it okay. And all yeah. these red flags are just painted green because I was like, well, I the end goal is so romantic. Well, that's the thing is I feel like when we paint those red flags green, it's like in the end, it'll all be worth it. Mm-hmm. That's what we believe. That's what we believe. Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to go through all these hurdles and obstacles to maybe the light's not even guaranteed at the end. No, it's not. And then there's that realm of embarrassment that Kate was talking about. And like, it was such good advice to not shine a light on it. Cause that's what I do all the time. I'm always like, but I also maybe disagree with like Kate there because I think that there's two types of people, right? Mm -hmm. There's people that walk into a room with a pimple on their head and they're like hey listen I got a pimple I'm gonna be here for the rest of the day with this pimple on my head and there's the type of person that walks in and overloads cover up on it and the cover up is more noticeable than the pimple right so I do like to shine a light on some things I'm like yeah I was working for a fabulous celebrity at my dream job that everybody knew about guess what it went downhill I'm embarrassed yes I had a relationship in college that went haywire Mm -hmm. and I'm going to bring it up in my new relationships well that way like you're almost talking shit on yourself while to avoid other people talking shit on what happened. Yeah, it's self-deprecating. Yeah, and it's also a defense mechanism, I think. So I think I also disagree. I remember going on a date with a guy and he had pit stains. And, like, of course I noticed them, but I didn't say anything because I was excited for the date. I got along with this guy really, really well. Um, And one of the first things he said to me is he was like, yeah, like I have big pit <laughs> stains. I'm um, getting Botox. Like here it is. Like open book, and I really respected that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. But maybe there is a fine line that sometimes we have to learn, and maybe we can learn this from Kate. Is that like there is a line between shining a light on something that like somebody's gonna find out eventually. But if it's like something that it's really unnecessary, maybe we don't say it. But right. Are you like that? Because I feel like I'm the type of person that like I view everything like every scar, every little morsel of information is like really just a part of my humanity. And I'm like, if I'm going to like be with you, whether it's in a working relationship or um, a romantic relationship or a friendship, like I want you to understand and be with me through every single part of my humanity. Mm-hmm. So I, I lay it out on the table and maybe like you've told me before, it's like you play your deck too fast or like you show your hand too fast. But like that's OK with me at the end of the yeah. day. Then, then keep doing that. I mean, I think yeah. that there's. Has it worked out though? I mean, <laughs> but far? but Anthony, also like <laughs> in terms of relationships, like the might the right person just might have not come along. Like you know what I mean? Maybe they have. Who so, knows? but I think there's more courage in constantly being honest about who you are, about your humanity. Constantly, it it gives you consistency. You're not fake you are completely yourself with all these people and that gives you a better chance of like landing on you know the person that you know will just be absolutely obsessed with you yeah like how kate was saying the answer um that she wished she heard from her first husband at pre-cana you know was not just I'm comfortable with you and I think that's something that like you know (laughs) you just gave me great advice and like I want to give you some too like you know I, I know sometimes you get used to hearing like you know I'm comfortable like you you almost romanticize that sometimes like you know because I've always been and to you like I've always been to a lot of my friends to Anthony like a constant and somebody Mm -hmm. that is comforting because I don't judge of course and that's okay I think so I love being like that comfortable person because I love when people come to me and like are able to kind of like let their walls down but I don't want the walls to come down and all you see is like a broken ugly mattress you know what I mean like there's a fine line for sure no totally and I I also think that at the end of the day there is that fine line between being 
you know, a constant in somebody's life and being somebody that they walk all over. And I, for you in my life, I, I find you as somebody who rouses me up. You're not just a constant yeah. of comfort. I like being riled up. Mm-hmm. I like being challenged. I'm your cheerleader. Yeah, but I also am, I want to be your cheerleader too. You are. Yeah. You 100% are. But it's that you want to find both in a partner. Like mm-hmm. you want to find your cheerleader and you also want to find... My mom always says this really great quote. Oh, tell me. And I don't know if I agree with it or disagree with it now. Yeah, Yeah. tell us. Um, (laughs) You want to date the high heels but marry the slippers. And I almost don't know how I feel about that right now. Because when I was younger, I understood, like, you want to date, like, the fun, fancy high heels, bedazzled, exciting, sexy, but marry the slippers. And... You're comfortable walking through the house with the slippers. Yeah, but... They're also slippers uh, that... It's like a weird yeah, analogy. I, I see both sides so now, Joni Mitchell, if you're listening. <laughs> I see both sides. Well, you certainly heard both sides from our ends and from Kate's end. And, yeah. You know. You know what to do next. You know what to do next. It starts with an S and ends with an E. Morgan, take it away. <laughs> Just fucking subscribe subscribe come on subscribe (laughs) to our issues leave us a five-star review tell us what you thought about that story always feel free to dm us and my name on instagram is at anthony lario a-n-t-h-o-n-y-l-a-r-i-o yeah you can follow me at morg m-o-r-g underscore lamata l-a-m-o-t-t-a Oh my God, what a (laughs) sexy handle. Subscribe. Subscribe and we'll see you next time on The The Shit Shit Show. Show. The Shit Show. (laughs) Yeah, that was The Shit Show.